I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue The birds are singing, I got nothing to do Hey, 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 hey <laughs> It's a sunny day My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare But call me illogical, I just don't care Hey, hey, hey It's just a sunny day It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. And sitting in for Maria Chaleos today, it's my pleasure to be here with you. I'm Dave Meekum, and of course, alongside Ton Bettis. We can't do this without Ton, so I can't answer the questions. So <laughs> it's good to well, have you here, Ton. I just make stuff up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to tell everybody that. <laughs> well, you can plant the plant upside down, and that will fix it. The roots will make leaves. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to start this hour off because uh, we're, we're getting into that time of year now. We're getting lots of questions on grass and lawns, and lawn pests are sometimes becoming evident, and, of course, watering you know issues are there. So let's talk about lawns. Lawns are turning brown, and that's yeah. I've had to kind of increase my watering a little bit. So well, I wanted to talk about maybe how to determine the approximate cause of why the lawn is turning brown. And one is by looking at the pattern of damage. And I, I was looking at a lawn yesterday on my way home that had concentric green rings. And then a brown ring, and then the lawn was kind of in between green and brown. And they knew, but they were spaced like ten feet apart in a square. That just means I have to dump gazillions of gallons of water on it, right? Well, no, <laughs> it means the sprinkling system isn't working as it is supposed oh, okay. to be, and it's green in a certain circle because that's where the water is hitting in sufficient amounts to keep the lawn green. So that's when you start checking your filter and the sprinklers to see if they're clogged. Usually if multiple sprinklers have that pattern, the first thing I check is the filter because it could be clogged and stopping the water flow through them. Mm. But you do need to check the line and a few things like that. But when it gets a little less obvious than that, then you have to really do some investigation. And the first thing I'll do is just get a long screwdriver and stick it into the soil in a dead spot. And, and I'll do this a day or so after I've irrigated. And if that screwdriver goes in easily into the dead spot, you have sufficient irrigation and you have worse problems than drought stress. Right. Now you're looking at diseases or critters or something. You are. And so the next step is to pull on that brown grass and if it comes out really easily and it just leaves some of the crowns, but you can see the soil, that means there's 
insect pests in the lawn. Chomping through the roots. Yeah. Yes, and they're chomping through the roots. And so at that point, if you didn't get your preventative down, it may be too late, but it's July and you could maybe get some effect from putting one down. But if it's sufficiently irrigated and it's not pulling up, then that points to maybe a fungal disease or other things that will need to be diagnosed sometimes by our lab up in Logan to see if they can find anything with their equipment on what particularly is killing the grass. You know, just stepping back to the watering for just a second, I I think it's good to remember that if – most of us, if we're watering and following the guidelines that we're supposed to be, are watering in the middle of the night. We don't actually see the water come out and go down on our lawn, no. right? And so it's really easy not to know if there's a problem with your irrigation system. So it's not a bad idea every few weeks just to, to crank the thing up and take a look yeah. and see what's going on. And, you know, in the morning or evening, just turn there. Usually the clocks have a test cycle to where every station will come on for one or two minutes. And you can look at the sprinklers and see what they're doing and just make sure that they're all functioning, you know. And then the other thing you can do is get a set of just old soup cans or tuna cans, put them in the zone in a line, you know, just far enough out from the sprinkler that you're going to kind of catch the maximum amount of water and put these about every two to three feet And not only can you see how much water you're putting out per half hour per unit of time by just sticking a ruler and seeing how deep the water is and multiplying by the right number to get to an hour and you're putting out so many inches per hour, but you can see the consistency because some of those cans will be a lot more full than others that will be have relatively empty. And it looks like they're getting equal water, but they obviously aren't. Yes, not all sprinkler heads are created equal. No. And so they can, even the same sprinkler heads can be set up slightly differently and you're getting more water in one part of your yard than the other and it stays green and you find, oh, I'm wasting water. Or one part turns brown, we're not getting enough over here. Yeah. And, you know, in some systems, especially if you have low pressure, even a few three or four inches in elevation difference, or if you have a bow in the line where it goes up and then back down, if in low pressure situations, that can make a difference too in the amount of water that's coming out of a particular sprinkler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of things with the irrigation that if you're not paying attention, you'll never even notice. You won't. And it's just that you have the brown spots show up in July right. and August that oftentimes go away in September because of the cooler temperatures. And so, you know, it's you don't ever want to assume, though, that it's just drought stress and keep watering. Right. You have to do the screwdriver test. You have to tug on the grass, see if it's coming up. You want to cover your bases so that... You know what's going on sooner than later, than later, and I'm not getting a call in mid-August saying three-quarters of my lawn is dead, and it turns out I have grubs. What can I do? And you're just like, well, break it off, be patient, maybe reseed, because there isn't a chemical that will help you at this yeah. point. You know, and, and if you've ever had a grub problem, it's not fun. I, it bas- basically, one year I had grubs decimate in my backyard. Yeah. But uh, and and some of these... You know, diseases that come in lawns are pretty tough, like fairy ring. 
Fairy ring can be one that, you know, and there's a way to mask it with fertilizer, but the necrotic ring spot and summer patch are two that oftentimes you just end up ripping the lawn out or top dressing with resistant seed because no chemical will actually get rid of it. Lawns. Yeah. You know, vegetation, a garden area versus lawn. You kind of see how the garden takes over yeah. the lawn in my house a little well, bit. Well, <laughs> and one thing I will say, you know, 25, 30 years ago when flood irrigation was really common in yards still, you know, you see the irrigation ditches in the old sections of towns. People didn't get necrotic ring spot and fairy ring. They didn't get grubs nearly as often because weekly watering deeply allowed the grass to dry out, but also root really deeply into the soil. And a lot of these diseases, we've seen an uptick in diseases and pests with conversion to pressurized sprinklers that don't water as deeply naturally. Right. And so I think, you know, the hotter weather contributes a little bit to it, but I think the popularity of pressurized sprinklers and not using them correctly has equated to increased pests and diseases. Great convenience, but definitely there is a downside. Yeah. All right. All right. Before we take a break, let's grab a a text there. I believe we had one on glyphosate. Okay. Sorry. Rinse in the throat there real quick. (laughs) Glyphosate, why can't it be pelletized so you can customize the application more carefully? All I'm going to say is that a lot of very well-paid scientists haven't figured it out yet. And so it may not be able to be pelletized. Um, Michael Karen, who is... Help everybody explain what yeah, being pelletized is. Put it into a granular form like a weed and feed that you just spread through a fertilizer spreader. I was talking to Michael Karen yesterday, who's another horticulturist and a friend. And the way he dials in, if he's using Roundup around sensitive plants, he will get a two-liter bottle uh, and cut the bottom off. Maybe it had the halfway point and tape it to his handheld sprayer, his pump sprayer, and put it over the weed that he's spraying and just do a click spray and stop. And then he moves to the next one, and that cone from the spot bottle protects the desirable plants around the edges. And that's the best I can really do. Yeah, I I don't know. Glyphosate, I don't know how much more research and investment there's going to be in it, given that there's a there's a faction out there that thinks it's evil. So, yeah. And no herbicide is ever totally safe. No pesticide is. Right. And you are going to see glyphosate eventually disappear from the homeowner market. Yeah. It's maybe 10 years, but Monsanto and Bayer are stopping production in the homeowner market. You can still get the knockoffs, but it's just one of those things that's inevitable that it will disappear. But for those using it once or twice a year, you aren't the problem. And if you follow the instructions, you're safe. Right. Right. So. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, Mayor, I don't know. We may never see that, but time will tell. Yes, that's all you can really say is time will tell. (laughs) All right. We're a little bit late here. Let's get a break in, and we'll come back, and we'll take some calls on the other side. Thanks for being here with us on the KSL Greenhouse Show. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Promise to get right back to the phones, Tom. Let's do that now. Matt's calling in. I've been patiently waiting in Draper. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How can we help you out today? So our backyard uh, is uh, again next to the uh, golf course on South Mountain, and uh, the lawn has been invaded this year by bull thistles. You can't walk bare feet on the grass anymore. Your feet just get full of the stickers. And uh, so I'm wondering what we're going to do about those thistles. I assume the weeds, the seeds are just blowing in from the wild areas around the golf course. And probably. Gotta- yeah. So I, what I would do is too hot to spray a lawn weed killer, but there is a product called Quinclorac that does have a summer label to it. And it's most widely available in a spray called made by a company called image. And it's all-in-one lawn weed killer. And that okay. one, at this time of year, would be the most likely I would use to avoid killing the grass. So, okay. or the other thing you could try doing is just hitting the top of it with, in just a hose-in, not a hose-in, but a pump sprayer, and just hitting it, spritzing it with a glyphosate and just accepting that any grass around it's going to die out. Of course, with the glyphosate, you got the temperature limitations. Well, you don't. With glyphosate, it's a dicamba and 2,4-D. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the image and glyphosate don't have temperature restrictions. Image has a few, but it, you usually can spray in the morning or evening. Yeah, image, and I've had good luck with it, especially on bindweed. So yeah. I don't know how it's going to be on thistle. I've never had it to It should that. make it very unhappy to kill it, so... So uh, I don't know if the seeds that uh, are blowing in only come during a certain time of year when these thistles uh, uh, ripen, uh, germinate. But um, uh, do we need to? Will those seeds be coming in all summer long? Or well, they'll come that- in the last half of the summer because they're going to be flowering very soon. If they're not already, and it's when those flowers mature, they're almost like dandelion seeds and just blow in. Yeah. Is, this, is this a pre-emergent uh, situation? Would that be uh, If they used the pre-emergent with prodiamine, well, let me see. The I need to look at the actives again, but Bayer makes a product called Season Long Lawn Weed Control. And the Bayer product, I guess it's now BioAdvance, BioAdvance Season Long 
lawn weed control would be one with a pre-emergent that would go after it to prevent them from germinating. So that might be helpful for you, Matt. So does that uh, does that need to be uh, put down uh, through, throughout the, the uh, summer? The BioAdvance just... product is something you could use in mid-May of next year, and it's supposed to get you through the season, but right now the Image product, the all-in-one lawn weed killer, is about all you can really use on your lawn. Mm. So if the thistles are going to be ripening uh, and the flowers are going to be sending out those seeds later in the summer... Uh, then those seeds that come in now won't be germinating until next spring. And Correct. That's when... Or they could just be in a small rosette and then next year really become problematic. Mm. Okay. All right, man. All right, thank you. There's a little hope for you. All right, thanks for your call. Uh, brace yourself, Tom, because Bart's been waiting on the line. and He has. <laughs> that's okay because we're going to talk about tomatoes. Morning, Bart. Morning, guys. You're a little slow this morning. You got too much. Well, to my wife about. says I'm pretty slow say, oftentimes. You say that about me every day. <laughs> yeah, but you're getting better. What you guys need to realize about tomatoes is go for the taste. One tomato I won't grow anymore is green zebra because it will rip your tongue out and stomp on it. It's so acidic. Oh, I do not like acidic tomatoes. But glacier. Comes early. I've been eating glaciers since May. And right now I got plenty of glacier and sun sugar. Yeah, the sun sugars are coming on. There's another excellent one called Bush Champion, a small plant with large tomatoes, and they taste good. If they don't taste good, why? I don't see much point in them. I'm with you there, Bart. If it's, uh, I'd rather wait for a good one than settle for an earlier one. And so what I've done, I've got basically, if you find, I've, I've always advised folks, if you find a plant, a tomato that you like and it consistently produces well for you, at, you on your in your garden, stick with it. But try a new one each year. So... That's exactly what I do every year, Bart. So to I, me, I, I'm what I've concur. got is uh, the hillbilly is one. I don't go for the uh, sun gold and hillbilly are the only two colored tomatoes. Other than that, I want a red one. All right. Well, Bart's okay, got guys. A... Thank you, Bart. Right. Keep Good going, them homegrown tomatoes. Remember, there's only two things money can't buy. And that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. tomatoes. You got it. Yeah. Thanks for your call, right. Bart. Yeah. Really, really good one. Really quick before we go to break, that last caller where we're looking for a pre-emergent he could put down now. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can buy isoxaben is the active ingredient. I-S-A-X-O-B-E-N, isoxaben. And you can find that in bags by itself. You might have to go to like IFA or Steve Regan. But that's what I put down now to keep those thistles from germinating through the rest of the year. All right. Hopefully, Matt's still listening and caught that. So there's even more hope for you there. So isoxaben. Isoxaben is a good one for you. Okay. We are going to take a break now. We'll be back on the other side of news, traffic, and weather with more of your calls. And we're going to help out Carol and Beth on the other side. And if you've got a question, KSL Talk is the line or 57500 if you want to text us. And we'll be back with more of the Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do 
when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.